Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to James chapter one. I have uh, loved this series that we've been in, walking through the book of James, just um, taking our time to go through it. So today we're gonna be in 18 through 21. Uh, last week, Pastor Brian, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and watch it um, because temptation is a real thing that each one of us deals with. And Pastor Brian talked about what it looks like when we're faced with temptation, how, how Christ has made it possible for us to overcome it. And, uh, and that's good news for us. Today, I wanna expound upon where Pastor Brian ended And then really kind of, I wanna lift our eyes up to who Christ is and what that means for us. So let's read James chapter one, verse 18. It says, of his own will, of God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word, God, that is alive and active. God, that has the power to change us and to save us. So God, I pray that even in this space, God, you would start moving by the power of your spirit to open our eyes and our minds to who you are and how you've called us to live. And so it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Hey, we have to remember when we're looking at James, James is writing to the church. He's writing to believers, So if we read this without that context of who James is speaking to, I think we'll pull out some conclusions that are not possible. So we have to look at who he's writing to. And when you get to verse 19, Pastor Brian ended with verse 18. We'll come back to that in a second. When we get to verse 19, James moves from talking about temptation to anger, which is such a joyful topic. And I know, I know you're thinking this, but just bear with me. I know you're thinking, Brandon, we don't struggle with anger. We don't struggle with being frustrated. Like this one, we've got this one in the bag. We can just, let's move on, right? Like that's where we're thinking. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, this is probably something that we all deal with in some form or fashion. I've been uh, just kind of stewing in this uh, really in the whole book of James this week, but in these verses, and uh, it's like the Holy Spirit has put a spotlight on this one struggle of mine of anger. 
uh, I had uh, watching the Georgia game last night, so a few gray hairs added to me, and uh, trying to watch it with three kids by myself, uh, and dealing with, I don't know why college football, I don't care about it other than on Saturday, um, but it does something in me, and they're like, like Piper and Hudson are fighting, and they're tackling Everly, Everly and Everly's smacking him in the face, and it's just the life we live. And, and the whole time I'm like, I'm trying to be a good dad, right? Be present and not quick to anger. And there's a lot of quick to anger. And I just think about this, like maybe, maybe for you, maybe like you see anger come out in your life when it's something around your job. Maybe there's a frustration at work that you wish was solved and you know how it should be solved and it's not being solved and you become angry. Or maybe it's with your spouse. If they would just do this, if they wouldn't do that, if they would just do this, then it wouldn't be that way. Or maybe it's with your kids. My kids would just listen to me. If they would just obey me. Maybe it's neighbors, like you've got the neighbor that just stresses you out and, and just makes you angry. Or maybe it's you're driving in traffic, Amen. It's usually where the worst side of me comes out. I don't get it. I just drive. We don't need to stop and look at things. Just go. We got places to be. But I think James is tackling this topic because this is a natural impulse of humans. Ever since Genesis 3, this has been a natural thing for humans to do and to deal with this emotion of anger. And I think it's important for all of us to understand what James is trying to show us here and trying to show us the danger of anger. And I think the goal in these verses of what James is trying to communicate to the church then and now. Because you gotta remember, the Bible was written to, like James, this letter is written to a specific group of people. But it is also beneficial for us and I think the goal in these verses, what James is trying to address in our souls is that we should walk in the righteousness of God, which our, which our souls can be saved. Like if you wanna boil down what James is trying to say, he's, hey, I want you to walk in the righteousness of God, which is able to save your souls. But how? Like if James is saying anger does, like anger of man, not a righteous anger, but just an impulse it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Then how are we to tackle anger? Because he's saying like, you should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to be angry. How then? Well, I'm so glad you asked. That's a great question. Verse 19 says this, know this, which is like that you can, this in the Greek, it literally means that you can know for certainty. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, like quick to listen. That, that literally translates like hurry up and listen. Which if we're honest with ourselves, that's hard. Like you ever meet someone and you're like, they're just such good listeners. Like it stands out to us because it's not natural. Like you ever get around someone and you're like, man, they just listen so well. Like they're actively listening to me. James challenges us really with two things that we're usually quick to do and one thing that we're slow to do. We're quick to speak. 
We're quick to talk. We're quick to become angry, whether it's to someone or behind their face, behind their back. We're usually slow to listen, even if we look like we're listening. Can you relate to that? Like you're in the middle of a conversation and they're talking, you're looking at them, you're not speaking, but there's something going on in the head. Like you're not there. Like that's a reality. I have to catch myself feel like, all right, listen. Like I can even put my, like not have anything in front of me, just like eyes locked and my brain can be other places. See, I think we have to look at Like, this is not natural. It's not natural to listen first and then slowly speak and slow to become angry. Like, this has has to be something that we've, that's been modeled for us. And good news, it has been modeled for us in God's character. So Exodus 34, six and seven says this. Like, Moses has this encounter with God and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. You get this? This is like, I think sometimes we have to slow down and remind ourselves who God is. Because even what we just sang and what Jared just talked about, like sometimes it's hard to be like, God, I know you say this. It does not resonate with how I feel. Like I know you say you're working things out for my good and you use all things for your glory and my good, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like you're actually angry. It feels like you're a God that lacks mercy and is gracious and is faithful. I don't want to welcome you. Like, that's okay that you feel that way. But in those moments, we have to remind ourselves what the word of God says. And the Lord is a merciful and gracious God, a God that is slow to anger and he abounds, like abounds in steadfast love to us. Like to us, his, his people that he's called to himself. So he's slow to anger. Like we model that. We wanna be people that are slow to become angry. Psalm 62, eight, listen to this. This is his heart. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So he's a God that is slow to anger and he's a God that longs for us to come to him. Like he already knows what you're going through, but he longs that we would talk to him. Like we, we bring up prayer a lot around here because I think it's such a neglected spiritual discipline. But if we could lift our eyes up to see the king of the universe longs for us to speak to him. Not just be told about him, but to come into his presence, to bring our anxieties and our worries and our joys to him. Psalm 116, one and two, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice, my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. I love how the New Living Translation translates verse two. It says, because he bends down to listen. Like he bends down, like I'm here. Like when I really want my kids to know I'm like they have my attention, I want to get eye level with them. 
Like when I have those moments where I feel like I'm crushing it as a dad, I, we lock eyes. Which as a parent, like usually feel far and few between. But I want them to see. And you get this moment where this is God, like God is a God that is quick to listen, actually desires to listen to us. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I think about that and I know what I'm like communicating, like what I come to God with, it's like, who's quick to listen to that? A lot of times I just is like, God's like, Brandon, if you would just do this, you wouldn't deal with that. Like quit acting like that, Brandon. No, 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 he's like, he quick to listen. Like bends down, son, listen. I need you to hear this. Like if we're gonna model this, we gotta see that God has, like this is his character. It's not something he does, it is who he is. I think a lot of the things that we struggle with, a lot of the temptations that we have and that we fall into, the sins that we're wrestling with right now are all because we have a poor view of who God is. Or we've been told God's this way or this way and we haven't actually come to the scripture and been like, God, tell me who you are. So there's two things that we are quick to do. And it's usually quick to speak and quick to become angry. So if we're quick to do these and we're slow to listen, what I think ultimately is like we're quick to jump into our own thoughts and we're quick to just jump to conclusions and fix things. Man, I don't know if you resonate with me in that, but it's, I like to fix things. I like things to work properly. And so when it comes to a conversation, like I'm already jumping to, like, well, let's do this and this and then we'll solve that. And if you're married, that doesn't work you have taken steps backwards. And I think the same is true for us is like, we're so quick to try to jump into action with whatever it is, whether it's in our marriage or at work or spiritually, we haven't actually taken the time to listen. Alistair Grove says this, we struggle to listen because we struggle to love our Lord enough to treasure his beloved ones and the concerns that are on their hearts concerns their words reveal. Like, if we really wanna realize like what we, why we struggle to listen is because ultimately we don't love people enough to listen to them. We don't love them the way that God loves them. And we don't think God listens to us because we don't think God actually loves us. That's why we struggle to even get into his word. So we can think of times when we've been in conversation, we really haven't been listening, and we jump to a response. Or we've been heard someone's story and immediately resolved in our minds that we should be frustrated with them. Like you ever heard a story about someone and immediately you're mad at that per like you're mad at the person you haven't even talked to? Like you haven't even heard their story? I think majority of our conflict, especially in the church, like we're real good to jump on each other. Like to be like, that's why all throughout the God, like throughout the New Testament, Paul's addressing this idea of like division within the church. 
Because this is how we show unity. This is how we, how we show the gospel message that though we have different backgrounds, different opinions, like we come together unified. Like what if we actually were quick to listen to one another and slow to speak out against one another? Like I get that there's people in the room that have experienced church hurt. Like I get that. And we throw around the phrase like hurt people hurt people. I, I, I just think it's people hurt people. Like I, I just think it's because we have sinful nature. And I think if we learn to be good listeners, like we would have less hurt. Both to the person that's been hurt and the person that's done the hurting because the reality is that every one of us is a hurting person. And I, like, I struggle with that. Like, I'm quick to make judgments. And I gotta remind myself to listen, like, not to just act, but to listen, to remember that God is a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And if we can remember, this is who he is. He bends down to listen. He inclines his ear to us. He gives us his ear. He's not in heaven throwing lightning bolts at us. And we can remember that this is who he is. And because of that, we can walk in his righteousness, which saves our souls. Like we remember the goal. So we have to learn, like learn. It is not natural. We have to learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to anger. And get this. This is how you reflect God to the world. Like when you become a person that knows how to be quiet and give your ear. To shut your mouth and listen. Like, and then get to hear why they are, like what they're going through and, and what's happening. And like to rejoice with them and weep with them. And then share the good news that this is how God has called us to be. Which means, if that's possible, if like it's possible to reflect his world, like that means you have to know him. Because you can't reflect something you just know about. Right? I can know a lot about a lot of things. That don't mean I can do it. I can know things about college football, which I really don't. Like I just like watching him competitive. But I can know how to run a play and that kind of stuff. You're not putting me on that field and doing any of that, right? I'm in the hospital later that day, if that's possible, like happening. Those men are huge and I'm not. We have to know him. So I think we have to ask the question like, who or what or how are we listening? And what are we listening to? Because this, what we listen to affects us. It affects us. Like if we're not, like I think what we have to be first and foremost listening to is his word. It's his word. And I think so often we're just hoping that he'll talk to us through a burning bush like he did Moses. He'll write it in the sky. And I think we have to remember like he's given us his revelation of himself here. 
66 books pointing us to who God is, his character, and how we live in his story. And ultimately, what we listen to determines what we love. So it all deals with how we love. If we're quick to speak and quick to anger, it shows we lack love. It shows that we, we look to ourselves, that we're ultimately dealing with selfishness and not looking to Christ and dying to ourselves. So we need to look at who do we love and who do we know? And that's why 18 is so important for this context. Of his own will, he brought us forth. This language brought us forth is birthing language. That he has like, made us born again. Maybe you grew up in church hearing about born again. Like you've been born again. Theologically, scholars call it regeneration, that we have been regenerated, made new. Like of God's will, he has made us new. Like he didn't, you didn't stumble into this by chance. Like he wasn't in heaven going like, how who let them get saved? I didn't want them. Like he desires that we come to know him and that he would bring us into new life. So God, through Jesus, through the work of Jesus on the cross, what we just celebrated in baptism is that we have been born again, regenerated, new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Not a better version not a semi-cleaned up, like new. And James is reminding us that we have been born again, regenerated, made new. And because of that, then he deals with how we are to act. See, I think a lot of times we in the church, we get it backwards. We'll act this way and then this will be true of us. If I can just clean myself up, then God will love me. No. While you were a sinner, Christ died. Like he has made you new and because of that, he's calling you into a life of holiness. This means who you were before Christ is no longer who you are. What your desires were before Christ are ultimately no longer your desires now. Though you still struggle he is crucifying those desires in you. You've been given a new spirit to put to death who you were before Christ. Like if you've been following, like truly following Jesus for years, you can think back to who God, like who you were before Christ saved you and who you are today. And there hopefully is transformation if it's real. Because it's easy to say words and not live it out. But if you've been regenerated, made new, everything changes. See, if we don't understand this, what has taken place here in verse 18, we get to 19 and we just try to accomplish it on our own. Like we get to 19 and 21 where he says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. You're like, well, how do I do that? If you don't have a new spirit, you can't do that. 
Behavior modification is not what saves you. That's called moralistic deism. That's where you, you worship a God of good morals and not Christ Jesus who died to make you new. Like, thanks be to God. Like, I am not who I am today if it's up to me. Like, he saved me when I didn't feel like I, I thought I knew him. I just met, I just heard about someone. I didn't get to know him. So he says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness because you've been regenerated. Do this. It produces the righteousness of God. Like this is how we walk in the righteousness of God because he's given it to us. We are able to walk into it. And this language, therefore put away, could be translated to take off, to take off a garment of clothing. Like I think some of us, we, we, we believe that Jesus, like we, we would be like, yeah, I believe Jesus died for my sins, but we're still just living in them and okay with them. Like he saved me, I don't have to go to hell. But I can live like it now. That is a crazy thought according to scripture. Like he made you new. You are no longer who you were, you are brand new. But maybe you're also like me in the room and you're, Brandon, I, I have been saved, but I still desire sin. Yeah. Why? Like, I still struggle with anger. I still struggle with this wickedness in my life. Because it's not that you get saved and you're completely perfect. Like, I think we have to understand that, like, God has saved us and then has called us into this relationship and journey where daily we're dying to ourselves. David Mathis says, such gospel growth inevitably, inevitably gives rise to action. Yet it does not begin with action, but with the reception of the message in the soul by faith. Like It's not that we just can learn to kill our sin apart from the Spirit. The gospel will kill our sin, but we receive it daily. That's why the end of 21, it's so important that we see this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The New English translation literally translate receive into this idea of welcome the message. Welcome the message. Like, and what's the message? Like, what's the implanted word? The gospel that we read in here, in every page. The gospel message of Jesus Christ being sufficient for us implanted word. So the word of truth, the gospel that we heard, which has regenerated us, now we receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word, the gospel. Like if we're gonna tackle and defeat our sin, we have to learn to receive the gospel daily. Not that you get saved daily, not that you can lose your salvation, but that you come to Jesus daily to get your eyes on him, to fix your eyes on him. John 6, 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life and the flesh is no help at all. 
The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. These are Jesus's words. It's the spirit who gives us life. And how does he give us life? Because he's regenerated and implanted his word in our souls. Because of this book, the Bible, it's not just an old book, old stories that we read sometimes or we come and we hear someone talk about it. It's something that takes deep roots in our souls so that we can learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger so that we can take off our sin and live in righteousness. When we come to it, John Piper, this idea, like he says, this should be our prayer. Every day you feel, I don't have enough of you, God. And we come back to him. James is showing us this is a fulfillment of a promise long ago, like implanted, that it is implanted in your souls. If you are a believer, he has written the law of God on your hearts that you can know him. Jeremiah 31 is, is what's called the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 30. Uh, 1 through 33 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when they took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Like, like this marriage language. God so loved his people, he made a covenant. And if you have time, Genesis 15, go look at it. It's beautiful, the covenant he makes, and the covenant he makes with Moses and to the people of God. And they broke it. And this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. This is it. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Because of the work of Jesus and he sealing you with his Holy Spirit, he has written it on your hearts. Look at how Ezekiel uh, 36 says it. 24 through 27 I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Here it is. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put them within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will take this heart of stone that is impossible to please God, that is impossible to obey, that is impossible to walk in righteousness and I will give you a clean heart and cause you to walk in my statutes. So when we come to James to see that it's an implanted word on our souls, this is the fulfillment. How beautiful is this? That because of the work of Christ on the cross and the faith that you placed in his finished work, he's given you a new heart, made you new, that heart of stone that was impossible for you to pursue him, to follow him, to know him. He's given you a new heart that loves him, that longs for him, that seeks after him. Like This should get you so excited that God has made it possible for you to know him. But listen, if we don't go to his word, with meekness, with humility, like, like ready to listen and not draw our own conclusions. 
I've been reminded in the last few weeks about like when it comes to studying scripture, like I wanna come to it with fresh eyes, like with no preconceived notions. I wanna come to it like without knowing anything. And I just wanna be wowed by him. I just wanna listen to what God has in his word. Like I don't need someone, we, listen, you don't need me. You don't need me to tell you what the Bible says. The same spirit that lives within me lives within you if you're a believer. Do we believe that? I think our actions a lot of times prove wrong. That we're just riding on someone else's faith. We get to come to him ready to listen, ready to receive. And if we just come to it once a week, once a month, twice a year, we'll never walk in the righteousness of God because we don't know him. And this is how he's given us to know him. No new revelations. This. Like that's so old school. Such an old mindset. It stood the test of time. What a tragedy it is if we do not come longing to meet with him in this place and tomorrow morning when no one else is around. What a tragedy if we don't long to meet with King Jesus, to have him stir our affections for him daily. Like, and I'm not saying God's up in heaven mad if you don't. Like if tomorrow you're like, you, you, get, you wake up late and you're rushed and you didn't make time for the Lord. Like he's slow to anger. He's merciful and gracious, but you get the opportunity. He's made it possible. And I think the bigger danger, and hear me, like with all the love that I have within me, I think the danger is some of us treat this gathering as if it's sufficient for your souls. Like that we came, the word of God was proclaimed to you and that's sufficient. Or you go, like students go to a camp or we go to a revival service or we go wherever and that's sufficient to carry us on. Love you enough to tell you that this gathering will not sustain you throughout the week. The gathering is meant to encourage you and to stir you up so that you would continue to go. But you gotta meet with him. Think of it this way, the word of God being like oxygen for our souls. You need oxygen, but a lot of times you don't think about that you're breathing, right? And you're not making conscious effort to breathe. You're just doing it. Like, let's all just take a breath because it feels, I feel like I'm being really intense. Like this keeping you alive and you need it. And the word of God is like oxygen to our souls that challenges us, that causes us to keep going, to get our eyes on him. And if we only gather in the word of God once a week, or maybe you're real holy and you do it twice or three times a week, but you're not in it, you're not meditating on it, that's like coming into this room, taking a big breath and walking out and hoping you'll make it. Listen, I got, my lung capacity is awful. Like swimming, my kids want to like have 
my daughter this summer wanted to have like hold your breath contests in the pool. That's like, I will die. I'm too competitive. I will not lose. And I got like no lung capacity apparently. I'm not making, if I'm on my breath, I'm not making it outside from here probably. And we treat the word of God like I, I can have someone breathe it into me and I, I'll make it through the week. No, no, it's implanted and you want it to take deep roots. You know how you take deep roots? You come to it. That's why we bought those scripture journals. Like if you don't have it, there's a few on the way out. There's some at the desk up there, these blue journals. And just space for you to write all over it, circle on it, draw lines, like come to it. Like come to the word, speak to me, Father. Get that oxygen, and then meditate on the scripture. Like as you're reading, think about it daily throughout your day. And I think some of us have come into this room, we've been holding our breath for weeks or months. Or maybe you've come into the room and you've never been given the ability to breathe because you've never known him. You might know things about him. We live in the South. There's churches everywhere. You probably heard the gospel but you just know about him. You don't know him. And hear me, he's bending down, giving you his ear. Like that is who he is. And we don't need a special service, a camp, a dynamic speaker, an anointed band. And we have an anointed band. Like you have an incredible worship team that leads you every week to the throne of God, but you don't need them. Like you have his spirit residing in you, who's taken home, like made a home in you and has implanted his word in your heart that you should follow him. Come to it, take a breath and go. Tell someone about this. John 8, 31 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever and the son remains forever. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. And I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Get this, why did the Jews seek to kill him? Because my word finds no place in you. Like, he has brought you forth by the word of truth, by the gospel, and implants it in your souls. And if you abide in him, you are set free. Like, You've been set free, free from sin. You have been freed from the power of sin and death, able to walk in righteousness. Brandon, you don't know what I struggle with and what I'm addicted to and where, I'm, where I've been and what I've done. I know that he sets you free. And does that mean you're gonna never struggle again? No. But you get to come and meet with him and he'll draw you near. Like he'll pull you in like a loving father. The prodigal son ran away and squandered everything and the father meets him with open arms, says, come, let's throw a party. 
Do you think the son never struggled, never got frustrated with his dad again? If you know kids, you know that's not true. But I guarantee you the father still loved him and pulled him in and inclined his ear to him. You've been called to abide in him. So for those in the room that have been born again, who have the Holy Spirit that has taken up residence in you through the faith that you've placed in Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, you've been made new. You've been made new to walk in his righteousness, which is able to save your souls. Do you know where that righteousness comes? Like 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Just listen to this. For our sake, he made him, who's him? Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the good news. So the call today, you've been given his word. If you've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer you that lives, but Christ in you and implanted his word in you. So my challenge to you today is receive it. Even when it stings, even when it, like, it doesn't align with what you want, receive it and walk it out. And maybe you're here today and you've never received the gospel. Like you've never been regenerated. You've, been ne you've never been born again by the power of the Spirit and the work of Jesus. Then the call on your life right now is to repent and believe, to turn from what you are choosing to him and follow him. Will it be messy? Yeah. Look at the room. It's full of messiness and it's awesome. And we come daily to receive his word and then we walk in it. So two challenges. If you've never received the gospel, receive it today. Like I would love to show you in scripture exactly what that looks like and walk with you. I'd love to pray with you. If you have and you've been holding your breath for a long time, repent. Like come and see that he longs for you to meet with him. He's not hiding. We don't have to go find him. He's here. He isn't hiding under a rock and just hoping you stumble upon him. He's here. Come. And so I'm gonna pray. And then if you need to move, if you need to pray in your seat, you need to grab someone, I want you to be faithful to what God's calling you to be. But let's receive the implanted word of God. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. 
Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.